Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 44, Episode 19 of SNL with host Adam Sandler and musical guest Sean Mendez. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is comedy aficionado and generally affable bloke, Steve Finn. And we're also joined by lovable curmudgeon and vintage SNL connoisseur, Andrew Dick. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. If you're enjoying our show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. It's your support that makes the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already pitched in. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast. All right, enjoy. Okay, so before we jump into the recap tonight, I have a few program notes that I want to run through. Um, I'm going to be heading to New York City to attend the Emma Thompson and Paul Red episodes coming up next week and the week after. So I'm not going to have a lot of time to edit this podcast or the next one. So I'm going to be putting out kind of a no frills, pretty raw version of the cast. So kind of how we record it tonight is how it's going to go out. So um, as people tune in, don't be surprised if you don't hear a lot of fancy editing flourishes or uh, clips or all of that kind of jazz. I just really don't have time to do that and uh, get to New York in time. So yeah, we're just going to kind of go with rough cuts for the next couple episodes, but hopefully the discussion will be uh, up to par regardless. So yeah, I'm heading to New York and I'm going to be hitting up the standby line for the Emma Thompson episode and the Paul Rudd episode. And I'm going to be utilizing our Twitter and our Instagram pretty heavily uh, while I'm out and about. So if there's anyone in the area that is interested in meeting up or, you know, just wants to stop by and say hi, uh, by all means, reach out on our social media. And I would love to uh, meet any listeners who might also be milling about Midtown over the next couple of weeks. And speaking of our upcoming episodes, next week, I'm going to be joined by Dave Buckman of Cold Town Theater in Austin, sketch impresario, uh, Second City director. He was recently in Amsterdam directing a Boom Chicago production, and so he's going to pop in. We're going to break down the Emma Thompson episode. I always enjoy having his insights, so I think that's going to be a fun one. And I'm pretty sure Steve's going to be in on that one, right? You're going to be here next week, Steve? I'll be there most likely. Excellent. Uh, so that's what we got cooking for Emma Thompson. But for the finale episode, I'm going to actually be live in studio in New Jersey with John Trumbull and Darren Patterson of the SNL Nerds podcast to do an epic crossover spectacular episode. Uh, so hopefully that'll be a fun little change of pace. And if any of our audience isn't already familiar with the cast that they do, that'll be a nice little introduction for what they got cooking. Hell yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Sorry, you can't make it, Andy. <laughs> don't. Uh, I mean, you could you could patch me in, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, all right, guys. So uh, we want to jump into the show. Let's do it. Alrighty. For our cold open, C-SPAN would rather focus on the two things that all Americans can get behind. Game of Thrones and Avengers, which obviously means family feud. <laughs> mm. That's our cold open. A bit of a change of pace from our typical political fair. Andy, what'd you think? Well, I'd like to see that we're just full on subverting the expectation for a political cold open at this point where I think a lot of people are getting kind of tired of what they've been doing. So I like the idea of we're not going to do that and just completely copying to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not sure if I needed the 48th iteration of Family Feud and because I am me. I'm not a huge fan of Game of Thrones and not, uh, I haven't seen the new Avengers. Uh, so a lot of this kind of washed over me a little bit. Okay. But generally, I, I still had a pretty fun time with this. Uh, I, I liked uh, Thanos, the, the swole grimace. And I'm glad that they gave Ego Nawodum uh, a little bit of screen time as uh, Okaye, I think her name was, but the, the, the variations of like Okie Dokie and Okra were fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the whole exchange between Keenan and Leslie, who's uh, playing Groot, uh, was a lot of fun. <laughs> sure. like, give me give me a middle-aged lady in a Halloween costume. <laughs> uh, so, and that seemed to be designed to just make uh, Leslie break. Sure. So uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, not the most unique or inspired first sketch of the night but fun nonetheless yep i think that's fair every family feud has a few moments regardless of whether it, it essentially is just an impression fest so yeah there were there were moments to be had no doubt what'd you think steve yeah i i really enjoyed the directness of it 
that they flat out said <laughs> without batting an eye really that you know we are intentionally uh steering away from politics right and luckily we have two of the biggest forms of escape in entertainment kind of at a high right now right we got game of thrones actually on air avengers just came out uh it was perfect you know that is pretty much what you know two billion people have uh chosen to uh distract themselves with <laughs> right yeah it was uh it was fun and you know beck was great in costume some of the game of thrones ones were great it was interesting to see kate uh being moved from the melisandre character over to brienne last time we saw game of thrones she was playing uh the part that cecily was playing mm-hmm. this time around so we got a, a new spin on that <laughs> But, you know, I know you guys don't watch it. This will make sense to people who are in the know. So just yeah. keep it in and trust no, me no. that this it's is all relevant. Cut. It's all getting cut. Um, yeah, it's all fair. This was fun, passable stuff. Uh, not groundbreaking in any way. But, hey, anytime they want to steer away from politics, anytime they just want to mix it up and give us a goofy cold open, the way that we used to. Uh, SNL wasn't always wed to opening up with purely political commentary. So uh, yeah, just to have something goofy and lightweight and yeah. How, how can you complain when they mix it up that way? So uh, I will count as a win purely because of that, but yeah, this was not spectacular groundbreaking, but fun. Bitch, I'm group. <laughs> Let's keep moving for our monologue. Adam Sandler was fired from SNL. We get a walk on from Chris rock who was also fired from SNL. Steve, let's start with you this time. What'd you make of this? I uh, enjoyed it. It was a musical monologue, but not the typical, oh, another musical monologue. This was and is Adam Sandler's wheelhouse, you know, aside from his big blockbuster movies. This is his stand-up. It's 50-50 music and, you know, spoken word. So if if you're expecting to see Adam Sandler doing Adam Sandler things on SNL, you're going to see a song or two. Right. This one delivered. I found it was... uh, it was a funny concept. I've always enjoyed it, you know, turning the fact that you're fired from a from an institution around making a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much Brooks Whelan's whole uh, act after he got fired. Right. But it works so much better when you're actually successful after the <laughs> yes. fact, like Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, when the capper on your song is pointing out that you've done $4 billion at the box office, it's a, a little easier to go out there and, uh, <laughs> yes, be a little self-deprecating. And that's why you can say with a smile, sure, I was fired, but look at me now. Right, right. And that's the brilliance of it. Yeah. Lauren returns his calls now. What'd you think, Andy? Well, I thought this was really interesting because basically this firing that Adam Sandler is talking about is kind of what kept him from sort of maintaining himself in the Lorne Michaels SNL universe uh, after his firing because uh, he just, he, he did not really take it well. And so I thought ballsy to, to <laughs> lean into it immediately right. and to, to make a whole song and dance out of it, which was, was quite funny. Uh, it doesn't quite reflect history as much, <laughs> sure. uh, because if you've seen anything of, of, you know, Adam Sandler's last season, you would know they weren't doing good work. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it kind of, a little bit of revisionist history here, but uh, I'm fine with that. And the Chris Rock appearance was fun, too, mm-hmm. uh, especially with him finally moving to In Living Color <laughs> and that being canceled three weeks later, which was right. like, yeah, he really only did have like half a season there. <laughs> and uh, the the bit with uh, Pete Davidson was also fun with the yes. he comes out and it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> you're not fired yet, but be patient. Mm-hmm. It's coming soon. And I was like, yeah. So, and in the big finale that it works itself into, right. uh, the big bombastic end, uh, is, is, was quite satisfying. So, uh, I thought this was amazing. I was mm-hmm. like, so here we go. Like family feud, eh, a little bit of a shaky start, but yeah, this was, that this knocked the doors down for me. Like, hell yeah, here we go. Yep. Agreed. Uh, this was fantastic. It totally set the show off, right? It was doubly smart because it does kind of clear the air. You know, anyone who's wondering if time has healed old wounds while well, here, we're just, you know, we're putting a light on it. We're just getting it out of the way right up front and, uh, felt really, really good. Adam Sandler seemed genuinely happy and enthusiastic to be there. And I feel like he poured himself into it. Like, like you mentioned, Andy, that gospel crescendo that it kind of turns into at the end where he's just kind of like giving it and leaving it all on the stage. That's great. 
That's absolutely mm-hmm. great. I, I love a, a monologue that rouses me, that really just has me perked up saying, oh yeah, you know what? This guy came to play and uh, I feel like he really brought it home. So agreed. This was good. Hell yeah. Let's keep going for our first live sketch. CNN goes live to Tripoli where their field reporter checks in via malfunctioning smartphone. This one started so drastic because it started so real and serious. The tone of it for the first minute, you go without even a laugh mm-hmm. at really establishing how serious the situation <laughs> is. So you can finally get the gag of the Snapchat filters. Um, if that gag doesn't work for you, like it didn't for me, <laughs> this went on forever. Okay. Uh, it was kind of nice to see Sandler in there doing a Iraqi Pete esque character. I don't, I, I can't remember if they actually said Iraqi Pete or whatever, but you know, it's that voice, it's that right. character. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of fun, but uh, it never escalated. It was just here's all the Snapchat filters and. To do the effect, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but once it hit my ears, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. There, oh, it, it was like there was like a weird about. echo. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I, I would assume just to get the filters working properly or whatever, like it needs a half second. Right. And so you would hear it, it just like there was this audio echo that made it feel really strange. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, they did clean that up on the like downloadable version, like what you'll find on YouTube, they've gone in and they've managed to square all that away. So that isn't going to live on indefinitely. So if we can just separate ourselves from the technical snafu, what do you think, Steve? Was there anything here that was actually, you know, getting you grinning? I did like the contrast of, you know, the actual implied severity of the situation (laughs) and, you know, circumstances that you can't really control. It's, it's the only way to communicate. Mm-hmm. And instead of being professionals about it, like if this were a real world scenario, you might expect we got Beck who pretty much misses the whole point of it. Right. Uh, his commentary is purely on the filters and that, uh, that dynamic going on in the newsroom, you know, that was really a lot what, that was working here. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind it. I mean, it, it, it's not spectacular, right? It's silly, dumb. Like there's not a, a whole lot you can point out as far as brilliance. But there is just something goofy and, and charming about having the, the face filters pop up. That that carries it for about a minute, and that's about all I needed out of it. Mm. This is passable, not great, but just a silly, goofy fun. Totally okay with it. Fair enough. Okay. Passable sketch, right. plain and simple. All right, let's keep going here. We get a pre-tape. We get a music video from Reminiscent Jam Records, Von Bonjour's inspiring anthem, Holes, also known as Clothes. <laughs> Let's start with you, Steve. Uh, what do you got? Well, I was already laughing at Von Bonjour. Uh, it's just everything was some kind of piece of the 80s, the later 80s. You know, we basically had a, a reimagining of November Rain yes. with a different melody. What is November Rain? It's a Guns and Roses song. The whole back half of it, when Adam Sandler comes in dressed as a bizarro slash and he's got an axe and he like does like a big Did second move back out during that what? that that was totally guns and roses that was totally november rain you could tell that they just flipped the melody just slightly enough but everything about it was pure gnr absolutely oh my yeah. god oh. <laughs> now uh i don't know if we actually got the bottom of anything with kind of this little <laughs> digression we've gone down so let's just rapid fire this andy thumbs up thumbs down I thought this was terrible. (laughs) Hot take. Steve, what do you got? (laughs) I thought it was great. Uh, I mean, that much production value and time and effort into a simple concept of whole equals clothes. It did not deserve any amount of work, and yet they did it, and I respect it for (laughs) it. (laughs) And I thought it was funny. Yeah. There's one thing about this that I do find really amusing. I think that there's some truth to some artists who they come up with a concept for a song and they think it's like really profound or like really brilliant wordplay, or they've just like touched on an idea whose time has come. And they're the one that gets to bring this beautiful notion to the world. Like there's some artists that you, you get that sense from that, that they just really are doubling down on, on this, this hook or this little bit of wordplay that they have that they think is just so great. I feel like this is kind of unintentionally a goof on that where 
this band needs something to underpin their song. And they just think they found something brilliant in the idea that, you know, holes are kind of like a, a metaphor and it's these public holes that cover our private holes. And it's just, they, they think that there's some beautiful symmetry to this notion that they've come up with and they've built this whole epic ballad around it or anthem, I should say. And they don't realize just how inane uh, an idea it is. <laughs> so I, I just like the, uh, the obliviousness of it all. You're wrong. Sure. <laughs> let's uh, let's keep rolling, though. Let's take a look at our next live sketch. Romano Tours needs to remind you that you'll still be you in Italy. Oh, my God. I love this. <laughs> okay. What what a 180 from Holes uh, where, yeah, I, I was like, this is disastrous into Romano's, which was nonstop front to back. Excellent. Sure. Excellent stuff. I, I loved it. Just it starts. With the, some goofy bits about Italy, but I love the slow reveal about the bad review that just kind of unravels all the details about if you're a miserable person where you are, you're still going to be a miserable <laughs> person in Italy. This, you'll still be the same sad you, but in a different place. Yeah. And uh, just unloading all those details. Uh, we can take you on a hike, but we can't make you like hiking. <laughs> The yeah. pictures you are in are still going to have you in them. <laughs> and the fact that it all comes from like, uh, it's like this, this passive aggressive move against this, this bad review that right. they had. It, yeah. Love this front to back. Another one from Anna Driesen and, uh, Allison Gates and, uh, Anna's just been knocking it out of the park lately for me. And so, yeah. Uh, after a couple sketches that I was like, eh, this, this got me back mm-hmm. into the show in a big way. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot here. What do you think, Steve? Well, it was, you know, probably the most honest form of marketing I've ever seen <laughs> in any form of media. Sure. Because isn't that really how companies and and corporations really pitch their products? They really make you feel like, you know, your life's not complete without this. Yeah. Or if you haven't experienced this, you know, you're not a complete person. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let let this vacation solve all your life's problems and right. all your wildest dreams will come true. Like they're selling fantasy, whereas this guy's just unveiling all that and he's just saying, We can't sell fantasy. All we can do is just, you know, put you on a gondola. Whether you enjoy it or not, that's totally up to you. Don't yeah, it's still don't gonna blame be you us. in the gondola. <laughs> yeah. And he's clearly a man who works for himself, has to get the feedback directly. So right. he's not really passing on this failed expectation to uh you know, to another level of yeah, to his uh, underlings or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. he's, he's taking his Yelp reviews head on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the. I guess that's the double-edged sword of a small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. It's a thumbs up. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here. I thought this was brilliant, and yes, uh, high marks to Anna Dresden and Allison Gates on this one. The brilliance here is that it starts out as a perfectly funny play on the most like milk toast touristy of potential uh like whatever travel facilitators like it could just be a really bad commercial for a company that doesn't shoot too high and plenty of good lines in there you know it's like come to venice city of water <laughs> exactly or whatever do whatever this is someone's doing like yoga yeah yeah uh <laughs> so there was already some good stuff there and i thought okay well just you know as a as a fun little romp as a peek in on on this guy's little business here great but then when he expresses you know his displeasure with this uh needlessly negative review and he has to counter it (laughs) for like two minutes solid oh it just yeah like you said andy every line just kept bringing me back in like yep yep you did it again yep that was hilarious yep (laughs) right to the end right to the very end i was totally on board with this so high marks i i feel like this was this is definitely the best thing we've seen so far in the show uh we'll see what the rest of it has to offer but this one really was making me feel good (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. Okay. Well, that's nice. We're finally all on the same page with something. (laughs) Let's see if uh, we can find any kind of simpatico on Sandler family reunion. We get cameos from Kristen Wiig and Jimmy Fallon as Adam's parents. And also Sean Mendez as uh, some other random Sandler. Steve, let's start with you. What this might've lacked was a lack of variety. Mm. Um, When we saw Jim Carrey's and we saw, you know, Christopher Walken's, there is, I think, uh, a wider range of interpretations of the uh, the subjects. Sure. Where we got invisible clarinet pretty much across the board. <laughs> mm. Right. And yeah, maybe that's saying how one note Sandler can be, but who knows? Maybe they needed someone with a little more rage 
to do this sketch with. But hell, I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, that invisible clarinet, uh, Keenan's line is probably the best deconstruction <laughs> sure. of his whole shtick <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah. I really, I really wanted more Keenan in this to kind of, uh, as Keenan kind of does in sketches, uh, to stand back and deconstruct it right. uh, in a way it would have been real fun. Right. Yeah. Maybe that was a missed opportunity. Um, I was okay with it. This was the first one that I was a little bit groaning at, but what I can say about this sketch is that this exists purely as an indulgence for the cast. It's a great opportunity for them to just be able to do the most like lighthearted of ribbing. This is a very genteel roast of Adam mm. Sandler. So, oh my God, is it a roast? I... Well, it's a, it's a good natured way of just embracing the host's quirks and uh, just letting everyone in on the joke. And for that, just purely as something that's a lot of fun for the cast to perform, I'm okay with it. I'm amused by that, but this was a mess and it didn't really do anything that the other two iterations didn't do. So I'm not giving it high marks, but amusing. Steve, are you okay? <laughs> uh um do you need a new napkin or something are you bleeding out bleeding a bit yeah okay so you need to take a second we're gonna do a quick pause but i'm gonna leave this rolling for the patrons so patrons if um if you don't have any context for what's going on right now about five minutes before we were set to record i got a text from steve saying uh so i just hurt myself and then i didn't hear from him for about half an hour and i was assuming that maybe he's passed out <laughs> Maybe, you know, he's on his way to the hospital. Didn't really know what was going on. Anyways, he did resurface and he is alive. <laughs> he's got so much blood. No. He's also got a pretty oh, severe. No. Oh, it's coming out so fast. <laughs> a pretty severe going puncture to the hospital after this. in the middle of his hand. You really that- need stitches? I think, I think I need one. Yeah. Oh that's not, God. not closing up. Uh, and he is just Surprised. bleeding through napkin after napkin, after uh, napkin, trying to just muscle his way through this cast for the benefit <laughs> of our audience, because he's a trooper <laughs> and we appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, he is losing blood fast and, oh. uh, I don't know if he's going to make it to the end of the show. So that's where we're at with this. Now, Steve, uh, how's my complexion? <laughs> go drink some orange juice, get a little bit of sugar in your blood. Give yourself a fighting chance of staying conscious. So we get to the end of this. Uh, do you need, do you need a minute to go regroup and get like some fresh napkins or something? Uh, I'm going to try and put some kind of bandaid around this. Yeah, okay. Try to get some water, try to get something on this. And uh, yeah, I think I got granola bear. Woo. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's regroup in five. Okay. Hope you make it back, Steve. Steve. Welcome back. All my band-aids are packed away. <laughs> Did you cut yourself trying to find some band-aids? <laughs> yeah. Now I got this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Are right, we good now, though? You, you seemed like you're just like, distressed for a minute there. Oh, yeah. It just started leaking really bad. I was like, oh, that's the new sprung. Okay. Mm. So you good to jump back in? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, let's see what we make of this next pre-tape. We get a commercial for Rectix, the all-natural, fast-acting male enhancement pill. Okay, Steve, what'd you think? <laughs> yeah, straight to the expert. <laughs> I can tell. He already <laughs> likes this one. <laughs> this was great because, yeah. you know, as a man with pride, it's it's kind of funny <laughs> sometimes to see the lengths a man will go to to protect himself. <laughs> and uh that is accepting any hard to swallow truth. Yeah, it's it's funny because I mean it very much is obviously a butt plug, but <laughs> it would be not a manly thing to do to fully admit that. So we accept the dance around the fact. Sure. And that's exactly how a lot of things are marketed towards men. It's now, do you think? Do you think that's the twist? Is that he's trying to not admit? I feel that he's he's completely unaware of the fact that it's a butt plug. Yeah, I think Andy's more more tapped into what they were saying with the sketch, where he's oblivious. His wife knows, right. the people that make the product know, but it is for Peck definitely knows. Yeah, it, it's it's for the guy that wants to be blissfully unaware. I think right. is kind of why this works is because the dad is uh, totally invested in the idea that this is some sort of legitimate treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reveal of like, what you didn't think it vibrates. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think it didn't vibrate? <laughs> yeah. That was probably the best line of it. 
uh, Beck killed it just being horrified by everything. Once they got to the dishwasher part. Yeah, yes. the whole dishwasher thing. That was, Yeah, that was a great way to end it. <laughs> uh, yeah, agreed on all points. This was a lot of fun, no matter how you slice it, whether the dad is genuinely oblivious or just fronting. It doesn't matter. The, the graphic, you know, they have the CG guy uh, that they demonstrate how the product works and then it 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 um pans up to his head and you just see this look of pure joy and mirth just kind of like melt across his face <laughs> oh that's when it had me that's when it won me over that's when i was all in on it well then it has the little rope you can yes yes and the the dishwasher gag that's the best because yeah. you hear the whole audience go ah no not near the dishes right? um so yeah they took it to some fun places it was a fun enough uh, starting point. Yeah. Well-realized pre-tape high marks on this one. Yeah. Loved it. High praise. Excellent. Let's take a look at our musical performances. Sean Mendes performs. If I can't have you and in my blood, uh, Andy, what'd you think? Hmm. Yeah. So nothing quite, uh, anything to write home about. Uh, but I did like the first song. I, I do like me a little, uh, disco-fied uh, pop ditty. Uh, it had a nice beat, and I could dance to it, and it was kind of <laughs> catchy, and I liked it. Uh, the second song, you know, I never quite enjoy having a slower song as the second song in 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 the show because it just it comes at twelve fifty or whatever, and uh, they always seem to do that. And like that's, I almost would rather have it flipped. Like, give me the slow song first and then hit me with some energy in the back half because i still kind of need that mm. uh then so the second song kind of lost me because it was just kind of ballady and nothing uh too amazing about it but generally i was i was okay with this didn't didn't hate it wasn't like oh my god i need to rush out to the record store and pick this up but uh it's all right it's okay. all right with Sean mendez all right steve what do you got well uh I, I, I do think Sean Mendez puts out some catchy ass songs. I think I think they're really catchy and I can't help but enjoy them. They are very much poppy and he's a young guy. And I said last time he was on, you know, he's a young, talented guy and wasn't so much like a polished kind of Justin Bieber. Mm. You know, he, he seemed more uh seem more genuine than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems legit. Yeah. This time around he was kinda, you know, showing off his biceps and <laughs> mugging for the ladies. So there was a little bit more of that. Yeah. But I, I noticed a, a measurable shift sure. towards that. Yeah. Bieberism. Yeah. No, mm. he's definitely got handlers that are uh, trying to help him blossom into full on heartthrob mode. Oh yeah. And I was definitely getting that flirty, Harry styles kind of, Ooh, I'm so impish and whimsical kind of, <laughs> kind of vibe. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I like Sean Mendez. I got lost in his dreamy eyes and, uh, you know, his perfectly quaffed hair. I, uh, I thought the songs were catchy. I think that he is, uh, a star in the making. Like he performs very well. His voice, his falsetto is very smooth. Like he's got performance ability. He obviously can play instruments and participate in his, you know, uh, the musical aspects of his performance, not just get in front of the mic and swoon and, you know, be dreamy. Uh, so he's more than just a front man in that respect. Like it does seem like he has some sort of, uh, genuine ability and, and some measure of artistry that he's bringing to the table. So I feel like he has some, some star power. He's got some legitimate ability married with some marketable looks and you put that together and you got a heartthrob and there he is at the mic playing the role with the quaffed hair. And I'm like, yep, yep. This is quality pop offering. That's, (laughs) I guess that's the best I can put it. Hey gang, did you know that our show is made possible solely by the support of listeners like you? It's true. And in order to keep our cast going next season, we need to reach our funding goal of 100 Patreon supporters. We've still got a ways to go, so if you want to offer your support, now's the time to head over to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash SNL podcast. If you do, you'll get exclusive patron-only perks and rewards, including our members-only podcast feed that provides early access to extended cuts of each new episode that contain upwards of 20 minutes of additional discussion. If you're enjoying our show and you want us to stick around for season 45, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast and come on board. 
Before we jump back into the cast, I want to give a shout out to some of our newest supporters. Darren O'Toole from Philadelphia, Christy Tamborello from New York, Andrew Walker from Thorold, Ontario, Tim Jar from Michigan, Kara LeClaire from Boston, Bill Brasky from Florida, and Alexa Dorfman from Philadelphia. To all of our patrons, thank you so very much for your support. And now, back to the show. All right, well, let's jump into Weekend Update. For their lead-in, Jost and Shay discuss Attorney General William Barr's refusal to appear before Congress. Steve, what'd you make of the opening salvo? thought it was uh, pretty good. This is where I enjoy Colin the most, is when he can really pick apart what's going on with some of these uh, political figures. The whole picture he painted about, you know, what it takes to bring chicken into a <laughs> uh, hearing at, uh, at 9.30 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All those behind the scenes, what ifs is, is really funny to think sure. about. Once he gets into the whole Trump bit about speaking with uh, Putin on the phone, you know, the whole hearing smiles, stuff like that. The way that he just skews every strange thing about Trump and his lackeys. You know, it's it's definitely where I enjoy him the most. Okay. This is great examples of those. All right. What do you got, Andy? Uh, I thought it was all right. I can't bring myself to uh, laugh at uh, almost any political joke these days because it's just so miserable. Okay. All of it's so miserable. And so I, I'm actually fine that SNL seems to be kind of taking a break from it. And, you know, I like it that it's contained in Weekend Update, and that's mm-hmm. fine. And there's been some good jokes in here. And I like the whole what billionaire banks with Capital One <laughs> uh, rant that Michael Che had. But still, I mean, for me, for Weekend Update, in, in terms of Colin and Michael, uh, I, I still just enjoy the the regular grab bag of random stories that they can just throw a punchline into. And so the, like the transient anus of the jellyfish <laughs> was a real highlight. And uh, yeah, this, the political stuff kind of washed over me a bit, but uh, there, there were still some good jokes in there. So overall still solid, still yep. solid work. Uh, I find it works a lot better for me when the politics is contained a weekend update. We've talked about that before. Like when a cold open doesn't, trample over a particular topic and mm-hmm. weekend update can be the first voice to hit that. Uh, yeah. I feel like it works a lot better. So this was okay. Right. I, I don't see this as being great weekend update. I feel like the guys were doing perfectly good work this week, but it didn't feel like maybe it had the, the greatest energy or it was just the greatest material. It, it wasn't a hot room for weekend update this week, yeah. but it was all serviceable. So perfectly good it's really nice that even on what might be a slow news week or just a week where maybe the energy is a little off it's still perfectly serviceable and i'm still laughing so it really does say something about weekend update just how consistent it is even when it's not the high watermark so uh, i was totally okay with it i like you andy the second run where it is the more um just random grab bag of jokes uh that's where (laughs) they they do seem to be at their best not when they have to hit a heavy political topic and try and find the funny in it like that's a a much tougher exercise so yeah the the goofy easy stuff the the second run that's always where the true gems are yeah, and I just, I love uh, Michael Che hitting a, a real drastic punchline and then just enjoying the reaction from the audience. And you could just look at him, like, looking at everybody, just, like, yeah. just really drinking it in. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's always fun. Yeah, that's his fuel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he uh, he definitely can be smarmy and and just double down on a, a challenge. Oh, they're both so smarmy, but yeah, uh, in different ways. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I love Michael really leaning into him, just drinking in the anger from the audience sometimes. They're like, oh, what? <laughs> Absolutely. But do we love Kate McKinnon as Senator Elizabeth Warren back to discuss her ambitious plans? Andy, what do you think of our first feature? Ooh, um, so. I still think we're struggling to find a good baseline for this this character here. Uh, there's a lot of mugging to the crowd uh, from Kate that, uh, I don't know, I, it, it might have worked in the room, but just on camera, her just looking off to uh, off in a diagonal direction and, you know, pointing and pumping her fist uh, wasn't too funny for me. And... I, I liked the old timey details that they have for her of like college was like $2 and 50 cents. Her dorm was an empty grain silo. She played varsity hoop and stick <laughs> varsity hoop and stick was my, my biggest laugh of all of this. 
but the rest of it, it just kind of seems like shades of what we did with Hillary Clinton in a way. Mm. Uh, and I don't think it's doing a, a good enough job to differentiate itself from that character. Fair enough. So as we say on SNL after party, a marginal win. <laughs> okay. Ah. <laughs> what do you got, Steve? <laughs> That's, I think they capture the frustration Elizabeth Warren may have because, you know, as she demonstrates in a few examples, she is very good at yielding results politically. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's the, the photo ops and the cute little things that get headlines that she seems to miss. And, you know, the fact that she's a little bit bitter about her, her accomplishments, you know, kind of falling on the wayside to these more superficial bits i think i think they've had a good angle there okay i just don't think it's realized in a way from kate that makes it stand out in a in a performance sure. way mm. so while they do have an idea there that works in a writing perspective yeah this is more like just a raspy voiced hillary clinton kind of performance mm -hmm. yep uh it doesn't have a hook i think that's really what it comes down to is most recurring update features there's something that wins you over just in the performance. So they can insert whatever news topic of the week they want the person to talk about. It doesn't really matter because you're just enjoying being with that character for another outing. That's what you get from Stefan. That's what you get from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm not super up on Elizabeth Warren as a politician. Like I don't follow her career. So I don't really know all of the subtleties of the real Warren to be able to contrast that with Kate. So there's just a lot going over my head and not a lot. That's just kind of universally funny if you don't know Warren. So mm. not a whole lot here for me to take away, but I can't point to anything and say it was bad. I just can't say that it's something that I connect with. So, Hey, yeah. maybe a, a marginal win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now to round out weekend update, we get Adam Sandler's triumphant return as opera man. Okay. So Steve, what do you got? I loved Opera Man as a kid. Mm -hmm. That was definitely something uh, that was one of my favorite bits <laughs> uh, from that era of the show. Mm -hmm. And I've always found it just consistently funny, probably because of the simplicity of the formula. It's just, you know, a bunch of Italian sounding rhymes <laughs> uh, that comment humorously on current events. And that's literally something you can take and, and put into any era of time and comment on today's events. Yeah. Yeah. It's timeless. Yep. A solid bit is timeless. And you're right. This is a very easy vehicle to be able to insert whatever you want into it. It, it really is just a, a blank page for you to build on. So, uh, sounds like you enjoyed it. I did. And I enjoyed the reflexivity of it kind of self-referential, uh, parts, uh, about how opera man, you know, may have been a, a younger man one time. Sure, yes. Uh, what do you got, Andy? Oh, uh, this was a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. uh, this this brought back uh, one of my favorite old writers of the show, Robert Smigel. Wakayao comes back. <laughs> so did you actually confirm that uh, he worked on this piece? This is this is what Smigel said, yes. Okay. Uh, so good. he wrote this, this opera man. And uh, yeah, the, as you were saying, Steve, uh, opera man just kind of timeless and it's so goofy. It's the it's in many ways the most perfect Adam Sandler <laughs> SNL character because it's so stupid, it's so goofy, and there's always a moment after you do the joke and then the next song starts and he just has to wave his yes. little handkerchief <laughs> and everybody just we all sit in the moment of how stupid this is. <laughs> yeah. And we all enjoy that. Like we all just sit back and just like waiting for it to start and we all know how stupid this is. So a lot of fun uh, in this. I love the the Joe Biden Groba Groba, <laughs> sniffa sniffa, <laughs> sniffa sniffa, uh, and and comparing uh, Long Shot to uh, you know some of Adam's romantic comedies uh, was, right. was a fun little shot down the bow. Uh, so yeah, all of it uh, super fun. Loved it. Had a lot of fun seeing mm -hmm. Opera Man back. Yep, you guys said it all. This was great. Happy to see it. My first era of SNL was 1992 to, well, you know, when the big cast change happened in the mid nineties, that was my formative years when I started watching the show. So opera man, very close to my heart. Uh, I'm sure that I've seen every one of them. I'm sure that we've recited them on the playground. I'm like, 
Opera Man, Opera Man. That, that yeah. he was a, a defining face for the show for quite a yeah, while. For sure. Very happy to see him. Glad that they did justice to it. Like the material was genuinely funny and he still mm-hmm. is able to perform it with the same, like you say, goofy charm when he's finding his rhythm to get into the next song. <laughs> he's got his little hanky. Yeah, no, it's, it's all brilliant. It's all brilliant. Loved it. And, uh, I think it capped weekend update just about perfect. So uh big win for me. Thumbs up, baby. That sounds more than marginal. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Excellent. So back half of the show, we get a live sketch. At last call, Sheila Sauvage gets her gross on with a barfly and his spray tanned wife. And we get yet another cameo from Kristen Wig. Now, Andy, I can see your face right now. I'm going to let you uh, kick off this one. Oh, man. So, all right. Let me just start by saying, um, I think it was... 27 years ago that they started these last call sketches <laughs> and uh, they used to be some of my favorite. They would always come at the 10 to one and uh, a lot of my, you know, it was like Woody Harrelson and <clears throat> Louis CK. <clears throat> uh, there was a lot of fun iterations of this, this sketch uh, down the line. This is the ninth time we're doing it and it, it, it doesn't work for me anymore. I've seen it too many times and at this point, for me, it's it's just more about the cheap gross-out humor. Like, mm. initially, it was about the back and forth and the, the dialogue between the two last barflies. And that's what the sketch was kind of couched in. Mm-hmm. And there would be a goofy, uh, slightly disgusting make-out scene or whatever at the end. But that like, now it's just become that. That's all it is. And then Kristen Wiig comes back. <laughs> And the camera completely shifts away from from our host, Adam Sandler, to just focus on Kristen Wiig. And I was like, this is the most Kristen Wiig moment of all time, that she just comes into Adam Sandler's episode and just takes away a sketch from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't work for me uh, pretty much across the board. Usually the Keenan bits of, of him horrified, none of that worked. The like throwing the spaghetti around at the end just seemed like the most like just cause chaos. Right. Cause that's funny. Kiss, kiss the lady. Cause that's a joke. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Okay. Steve. Yeah. This one was interesting. Cause you know, with every Sheila Savage sketch, we've had a few of them at this point. It's basically just seeing how they're going to, you know, have Keenan, be grossed out in creative ways. Mm-hmm. How is the game of gross out chicken going to proceed between the host and Sheila? Yeah. The energy was kind of thrown off a bit. I found with having a third person there, sure. having Sheila's attention divided. It, uh, it did more than I would have expected to change the whole dynamic. Okay. Maybe not for the better. Yeah. Uh, agreed. I applaud that they try to mix it up. They don't just bring it back and just literally go through the exact same structure and beats. They do try and mix it up as much as they can. At one point, uh, it was a girl that she was hitting on. So they got to go in some fun places with a lesbian angle. Oh, the Amy Schumer thing. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then this time we've got another participant in Kristen Wiig. So they're trying, but it really does feel played out. And I couldn't help but get a sense of that too. Like this is just too messy, too busy they're digging deep to find jokes that live up to what they've already done on previous outings. And you just feel that you feel all the way to mm-hmm. the previous outings and how this doesn't quite live up to it as they go through the beats. So yeah, I feel like, I feel like this one's on its last legs. Um, I'm not sure where else they'd go with it, but uh, we've had enough hit or miss Sheila Sauvages at this point that I would be happy to see them retire it. So this was not a win for me. As much fun as it was to see Kate McKinnon genuinely try to just totally commit and go all out. And, uh, at one point I'm pretty sure Kristen Wiig's tongue was like right down. Mm. I mean, they seem to be having fun, but it did not translate to me. They were trying to go all out because sometimes a sketch gets better if you can tell that they're barely holding it together. So Mm -hmm. I think Kate and Kristen especially were trying to get each other over the top and let it just be a delicious breaking mess. But we didn't quite get that either. So it either has well, to that be usually so, just means that the sketch wasn't good to begin yeah, with. If we have to go there, it either has to be so bad that it's good and it just falls apart completely and you can enjoy that ride or it has to live up to what they've already built. And I just don't feel like we went to either extreme. Yeah. Yep. And it also, it, it also uh, had some 
made some changes down the road because we definitely missed out on something. There was a pre-tape, like a Chad pre-tape mm-hmm. uh, that was cut for time. And I could definitely tell it in my live feed of like something was like, oh, we <laughs> timing is off. And I think it's because of the sketch. Yeah, I think when it came right down to it, they probably just felt that they're going to get more impact from a Kristen Wiig cameo than another Chad pre-tape, which we've, we've seen a lot of Chad this season. Like we're not hurting for another Chad. So I can understand why decisions got made the way they did. This was originally a 10 to one, but as we're about to see, they decided that they wanted to go out on a more poignant note. Um, so why don't we, uh, switch gears here? Why don't we look at how they round out the night by having Adam Sandler perform a touching tribute to fellow SNL alum, Chris Farley, uh, Andy kicked this one off. What'd you think of this? Well, so, uh, in preparation, uh, for this show, I watched Adam Sandler's 100% fresh mm-hmm. stand-up that came out a couple months ago uh, that everybody was like raving about. And I was like, what? Adam Sandler did a funny thing? Like legit funny? And so I watched it and yeah, came away. Was like, that wasn't bad. And this was part of it. This mm-hmm. Chris Farley tribute is part of that special. So when it came up on the show... I was like, you know, a little bit of two minds of like, oh, well, I was hoping we'd get another sketch that I hadn't seen before, but this <laughs> makes sense. Sure. To do this, this makes more sense to do this on the stage of Studio 8H than it does in a Netflix stand-up special variety thing or whatever it, the hell 100% fresh is. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, here, it, it comes home here. and. It's it's just nice, you know, it's a nice little tribute, maybe a little bit too smaltzy for my own tastes, but the whole concept, the whole general emotion uh, of it and the tribute that it is, uh, it's quite nice. And I, I you know, <laughs> after the 10 seconds of, of like, oh, I just watched this like two days ago. All right. Well, it's fine. It's all right. This is nice. Okay. What do you got, Steve? I also saw that special. Mm-hmm. So I was familiar with the piece just like Andrew was. And I think you said it all, Andy. It, it, it brought it home and you could feel a little more emotion in this performance than the version you see mm-hmm. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably most likely the reason why it was the context of doing it in Studio 8H. Uh, definitely where he cut his teeth alongside of uh, of Chris. So. And, you know, that emotion was felt throughout the studio. You could tell. I mean, half the cast was crying during the good nights. Mm-hmm. Right. Never seen him so emotional. So, yeah, that, uh, I mean, that energy I felt through the screen, that was definitely <laughs> yeah, you, felt. Yeah. You really exercised some ghosts uh, mm-hmm. during that performance, I felt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it was stirring, no doubt. Um, agreed. All points. Again, that was my era. I loved Farley. He was the standout in the cast. You know, we all know Chippendales. We all know Matt Foley. We all know uh, the Chris Farley. Folgers Crystals. Yeah, the Folgers Crystals. Um, El Nino, the uh, Chris Farley (laughs) show. Like everything that I remember from that era that really connected, aside from like maybe Wayne's World, (laughs) was Chris Farley led. So yeah, he, he has a special place in my heart, like so many of our generation. Who doesn't love Chris Farley? Yeah. So when I watched the special, I was tearing up like that hit hard. You, it's not even that it's just a, a, a well-constructed tribute and a really impactful song. You know, the history that Adam Sandler had with Chris Farley. These guys were tight. They were brothers in arms. They came up through the same era of the show. It, it was just raw. It was real. And, uh, I couldn't help but be affected by that. So I was really like gut punched when I watched the special and that's, that's how they bring it to a head there. But I thought, you know what? I've already seen it. So when I see it on SNL, sure. I know they're going to do this. I know that this is probably how they're going to close out the night. I was expecting it to happen. And I thought, well, I've seen it before. So you know what? It, it's just going to be another run through of something that I'm already familiar with and comfortable with at this point. And about 15 seconds in, I'm tearing up again. <laughs> it just, it was all there. And Wuss. so what you guys were tapping into, you know, there was something real coming out of the screen there. Yeah. It was potent and, uh, I felt it. And, uh, I just, I felt the, the sincerity in, in Sandler's performance. And yeah, the cast obviously was catching that same vibe because the, the whole house was in tears by the time they had to line up for the good night. So 
this was a, a powerful way to round out the show in my opinion. And I, th- I think it's a real win to be able to actually do that on home base in eight H some, you know, 20 years after, you know, Farley left us. Um, I was ready to see it and, uh, I'm still, still a little choked up about it. To be honest. <laughs> Same Z's. All right. Well, uh, that is our episode run through. All right. Let's talk moment of the night. What do you got, Steve? I got a special moment that just, I thought it was a great line from the Sheila Savage sketch. Okay. While we had our problems with it, I thought Kristen Wiggs line, well, I didn't finish, but I am done, <laughs> was uh, a brilliant line. Very good. Okay. What do you got, Andy? Well, uh, now that I think about it, I, I can't really come up with one specific moment in the show that that really caught me off guard really got me right uh so i don't i'll just throw it to the chris farley song just being a nice uh unique moment for snl yeah there's a few moments in the show that i thought were a lot of fun that actually had me you know perked up and invested but you can't trump the chris farley tribute like it doesn't matter how good the show is there's nothing that at least for me personally was more impactful nothing that really just really got me in the gut the way that the Chris Farley piece did. So I'm, I'm going to say that there was a moment in there that I, I think kind of just was the, the, the peak of emotion for me. And that's just where the tribute kind of flips and it goes from all the things he's remembering about Chris Farley to, you know, a few months later we had to go up to Madison to bury our friend and now it's his dad's turn to cry or whatever. Like that's uh yeah, that's, that's the real gun punch of the yeah. song. Yeah. So, that is a moment. It's not a ha ha moment, but it was an important moment that I'm glad was on broadcast television on SNL. And, uh, I was happy to see it, but at the same time, surprised how affected I was. Wow. I thought you were going to say the face of that graphic from, uh, Rectix. <laughs> that, that, that was a runner up. Not even, not even that graphic, the part where she puts it in the washing machine, it's washer washing machine safe. <laughs> that was a fun moment. And the house loved that, right? Like that was a great gross out moment for yeah. the, the house. So, uh, that had a couple moments, but you can't, you can't beat the Farley tribute. Oh, fair enough. Best sketch. Uh, Andy, what do you got? Romano's hands down. Yes. Uh, my favorite of the night front to back classic material just loved how it unraveled itself yeah romano's just yeah had me rolling okay what do you got steve i can't help but think about rectix for this i just (laughs) you know it really uh, it really got me different material resonates with different people it all has to do with our experience and you know just what's really uh impactful for us personally steve likes holes (laughs) i like holes Public holes and private holes, yes. Uh, Rectix. Any reason in particular? Uh, just because it sounds like a product I need. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was, you know, a really funny dance around of, of uh, what a true male enhancement can be. Something mm-hmm. uh, a little more natural than a pill. Sure. Yeah, apparently... <laughs> You just got to find your kink. (laughs) (laughs) And if you got to wrap it up as a pill. It's a pill. (laughs) If that makes it easier to swallow, pardon the pun, you know, so be it. All right. Well put MVP. Um, Andy. Eh, Let's give it to Adam uh, because this wasn't a big night for most of the cast Mm -hmm. as it kind of tends to be with these sort of returning alum shows and the lead up to the show. A big question was just what the hell was this going to be? What right. what was a- Adam's energy going to be? What just what the hell is going to happen? And so the fact that after what 27, 29 years, whatever it is, <laughs> twenty four, yeah, twenty four, you know, numbers are fun. Uh, to have him come back, you know, he did some cameos and stuff, but still to come back and and just anchor an entire show. And really do a solid job at it. I, I, everything that Adam was involved with uh, for this episode, I thought was really stellar. Yep. Also, there was Kristen Wiig. So, uh, yeah, let's give it to Adam. All right. What do you got, Steve? I think Adam deserves it. Mm-hmm. I'm there with uh, with Andy. It uh, it was his show. We brought back some old characters. We paid uh, tribute to those in his era. It was very much you know, uh, tailored to Adam Sandler fans and Adam Sandler himself. Right. So the fact that Adam Sandler himself has said, you know, he probably wouldn't be that good at hosting. 
and then ended up doing, you know, not only just a passable job, but a great job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely uh, far exceeded uh, anyone's expectations. Yep. Uh, I think we're all in lockstep. I'm going with Adam Sandler, too. It just makes sense. The monologue, hit it out of the park. Opera Man, hit it out of the park. The Farley Tribute, hit out of the park. And that's his own material, right? That's something that's issuing right from Adam Sandler. So it's not even just a good performance of somebody else's material. This is just Adam Sandler bringing what he can do to the show. And everything that he offered the show this week, those were the highlights. Those were the the real wins. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't know who else I could could offer up as, as being more deserving than Adam Sandler. It's unanimous. Beautiful on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? Let's start with you, Steve. I'll give it a decent. Okay. There was a lot of strong moments, a lot of things that I enjoyed immensely. And we did see a couple of low parts, nothing really hard to watch, but maybe things that uh, we we questioned if it was done the best way possible. Sure. Yeah. So I think that's as far as I can take it. And uh, I don't think it's generous to give it a decent. I think it does deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite some of the weak spots it had uh, overall, you know, it was a middle of the road type episode. Okay. So a solid decent. Yeah. Solid. Great. What do you got, Andy? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a decent as well. Uh, really hoped to give it uh, something more than that, but uh, this really did turn out to be more hit and miss than I was kind of hoping for, and it's a little bit of a shame. And just, I feel like all of 2019, since maybe February, it's all been just solid, decent episodes. And I really thought that this one would have a spark of inspiration. That's what I feel like has been missing from the show for uh, a couple months now is like really just some inspiration. Like they are, I really thought they would have been more jazzed uh, to (laughs) really get this one over. Like we are doing a classic episode and the Snapchat and holes and the family reunion. And just like, there was too many things. I was like, "Eh, it's kind of shaky, but Still some highlights, as always. Uh, pre-tapes, mostly solid, beyond the holes. And Romano's, uh, just any episode that has that sketch in it gets a decent uh, <laughs> alone. And uh, the Chris Farley thing was nice. So uh, a, a strong solid. Okay. All right. You know what? I am landing on great for this one. And not because it was great end-to-end, but because it had a few very soaring moments that are genuinely classic. I feel the Farley thing that's going to endure. I feel like the um, Romano tours, that is a great sketch. I feel like the monologue was outstanding. I felt mm. like weekend update was serviceable, if not great because of opera man, but you know, it was a well-rounded weekend update. So all of the tent poles of the show, I feel are in place. Then you have a few clunkers, particularly in the live material. I wasn't as cold on holes as you were, or even the opening sketch with the Snapchat stuff, Andy, but I feel like even if that stuff's middle of the road, there was enough really stunning moments peppered throughout that it does kind of transcend a typical decent episode. So I'm going to land on great uneven, but I feel like the end result is something that I can very easily recommend as, you know what? This is one you need to see. This isn't just a take it or leave it episode. Go watch this one. There's a a couple things in it you need to see. Like, that's what I would say to a friend. They're asking if they should check into the show. And I feel like that's enough to just get it over into great territory. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I don't think we're really that far off. You guys are saying solid, decent. I'm just saying barely transcendent. Like just because the, the, the good moments were special to me, it just feels a little better than a, a yeah, it almost feels like we should have a decent plus rating. You'd think, but that's just not how we roll around here, Andy. You got to get on board. There you go. You want to do it some other way? Go start your own podcast. Oh. But speaking of, before we uh, head out, why don't you tell us what you got cooking on that week in SNL in case anyone wants to head over there and get even more SNL goodness in their ear holes. Yeah. So much like SNL season 44, we're, we're about to ramp up for a couple months. Uh, we just covered the betty white episode uh from 2010 uh so that just happened a couple days ago and a couple days after this episode comes out we will be covering a episode from season 20 so we will be covering adam sandler's Mm. second to last episode 
which was hosted by Bob Saget. And it's an aggressively awful episode (laughs) that we had a lot of fun screaming at. Okay. Sometimes the train wrecks are the most amusing. Uh, yeah. And uh, again, yeah. Season 20 is, is its own beast, uh, for sure. And yeah. So, so if you want (laughs) to come hear some dudes scream at an SNL episode, uh, that 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 will be coming out in a couple days, and then uh, the, we'll, we're closing it out with the Buck Henry season two finale, and then we're we're taking a blessed break. I can't wait. Very good. Well, you guys got any uh, brilliant final words on Adam Sandler? He funny. <laughs> Fair enough. Hot take. <laughs> well, I wasn't finished, but I am done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn and also to Andrew Dick. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Aaron and Trader, Neil Weinstein, and Justin Gardner. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Emma Thompson and musical guest Jonas Brothers. But until then, this has been episode number 76 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow.